Good evening and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Good evening and thank you for joining us tonight for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah and I'm the Ministry Assistant at Heritage and tonight we will continue our discussion of Genesis chapter 2. If you would like to join the conversation tonight or if you want to call in with a question or a prayer request, give us a call. Our studio phone number is 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, you started a new series this week on Wednesday night in our prayer meeting. Uh, can you tell us about it? Sure. Good And good evening to you, Micah. It's good to be with you and to two wonderful sisters that we'll meet in just a moment from our church. Yeah. But we started a study in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, the 32-year, I call it the electrifying history of the church, proclaiming Christ in power. Yeah. And people could come in person mm-hmm. or they could watch on Zoom. Uh, the, the study of the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and uh, yeah, looking forward to that. How long do you think it's going to take to get through the whole book? Um, it's a long book. Two years. <laughs> I, I, two years. I, we were we just finished John. Yeah, and that we, took a while, but it was yeah. awesome. It was but awesome. we'll we'll have to see. I don't I don't have a schedule in mind right now. We just kind of take it one passage and message at a time. But we'll yeah. go through it verse by verse. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a great great first to study. Even though you took the class in the institute, yeah, it's okay that we're going to do a study in. Yeah, well, in, me and, and Pastor Carmine were talking about it when you finished up the Book of John. You had expressed to us that you weren't 100 percent sure which you were going to go into next, and Pastor Carmine wanted to hear Acts. So. Yeah, but uh, the the students from our institute can actually just go back and look in their notes, and they'll <laughs> they'll know a lot of the messages because not not going to follow the notes exactly. But hey, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel yeah, either, you know. Yeah. But anyway, it's it's a, a powerful book. It's a wonderful the book. book yeah. of the Acts, whereas there's four different gospels which tell the life of Christ, each from a unique perspective. Right. There's only one book that tells the history of the, of the first century church yeah. after Christ ascended. So mm-hmm. it is a, a powerful book, yeah. and it's, it's an exciting book of mm-hmm. what God does through his people, yeah. of what Jesus, as we looked at last Wednesday, of Jesus is continuing to, to do and teach, but now through his people. Yeah. And he's continuing to this day. He's teaching at, uh, through us tonight by his Holy Spirit. So this is the book of Acts. Amen. Continuing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're glad to be here tonight, and we're excited to have with us Sister Jeannie Thompson. You've been with us before. Thank you, Jeannie. Yeah, great to be here again. You've been at Heritage for many years. Nineteen. Nineteen years. Yeah. And Jeannie, you are an artist by trade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. so she's very talented. Or good or bad, yeah. Worse, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're so glad to have you, and we're thankful for your faithful testimony and your sweet and meek and quiet spirit at Heritage Baptist Church. And then we have with us a wonderful sister, Sister Lintia Lyons, also been at Heritage now. How many years, Lintia? It's been 22 years. Wow, 22 years. And I remember when you and Leon were getting ready to get married and helped you with some marriage counseling. 
And uh, it's been a long time. That's it. You have more kids than we do, than yes. I do. You know? Yes, we have four amazing children. You do. Thank God for your family and your husband. Leon has served with us many years, as well as you, Lentia. And tell us about a very important ministry that you lead in our church, and maybe there will be some ladies who would like to be involved. Sure, Pastor. So I um, lead the Women's Fellowship at mm-hmm. Heritage Baptist Church, mm-hmm. and our role is to be an encourager, like Paul implores us um, yeah. in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, where he says, Therefore, encourage one another. Amen. Um, our objective is to encourage spiritual growth and maturity through personal testimonies, scripture meditation, fellowship, worship, in time in his presence and actually we have a meeting coming up this saturday at um, one o'clock it will be held at 633 third avenue the church office location okay and that's on saturday at 1 p.m yes and there will be a bible study and i know chili to good chili yes we're gonna have lunch chili (laughs) that my wife is gonna make a pot of chili I'll be driving her in. I've been, ass- <laughs> I've been assigned to that important job. But we're, we look forward to the ladies having that fellowship, Lintia. And I know you've been leading that ministry a long time. Yes. And we're very thankful. I am honored. So, so, dear ladies out there, if you're looking for a good women's fellowship, come on out this Saturday at 633 3rd Avenue. That's between 40 and 41st Street in, in, the, in Manhattan, and it's very close to Grand Central Station. So we'd love to have you come on out, and that's where we meet also on Wednesday night mm-hmm. at our church office at 633 3rd Avenue. And you can give us a call if you have any questions. And we even invite you to our Sunday morning service, and we're, having, we're, we're preaching in the book of Proverbs. And yeah. I believe God is using that. People come up to me with a lot of prayer and questions yeah. and, and, you know, with needs. It's, it seems like it's, it's really... Very practical. Uh, poking at at the heart, and, yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The whole Bible is practical, but I do think that the Book of Proverbs really hammers home certain things that people are dealing with, pe- yeah. things people are struggling with. So it's been a great series so far, Pastor. We need wisdom. So if you have any questions, give us a call right now at nine two nine three 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 seven three nine. We're going to look tonight at Genesis chapter two, verses eight through seventeen. And an amazing passage of scripture, as Adam has just been created out of the dust, God breathes into this man who was dust, and he's going to rise up out of the dust. What's going to happen next? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so here's what happens when man rises up out of dust as an image bearer of God. And we're going to read beginning in verse 8, and we're going to go down through verse 17. Genesis chapter 2, I'll start us off tonight. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and then and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil and a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads And the name of the first was Pison, that is, it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is Delam and Onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidekel, that is it which 
which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Amen. Thank you for the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this amazing scripture, dear God, tonight. And what you tell us about the Garden of Eden and your abundant provision and then your commission for man in the garden. Help us as we study your word tonight to rightly divide your truth. Mm -hmm. Thank you that your word is truth, Mm -hmm. that it is inerrant without error. It is inspired, breathed out by you. It is forever settled in the heavens. So we pray, God, you'll help us to have great understanding and make good applications as well for our lives Mm -hmm. as we are men just like Adam was. So help us to serve you faithfully in obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So here we see God's abundant care of man. That's the title that I put on our study tonight, God's abundant care of man. And God's abundance is seen in his provision and in his commission. He gives Adam a great commission, if you will, Mm -hmm. in the Garden of Eden. So we're going to look at that. And, And there's some interesting questions because this is like loaded, you know, it's packed. We've got rivers, and we've got diamonds, and we've got minerals, and we've got trees. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the tree of life? We want to talk about that. What is this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Mm. So we're going to get into that also. And we invite our listeners to call us at 929-333-3739. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask regarding this passage, or if you'd like to join our conversation, give us a call. You may do that right now, 929-333-3739. Or if you just have a burden and you're going through struggles in your life, or a blessing. Maybe hey, you know what? Maybe somebody has a blessing. Yeah. Somebody has a praise and they want to share it. Give us a call. Yeah. Oh, you know, and we like even, I was going to pray. I I forgot, but we have a dear brother in our church who mm-hmm. had a really serious surgery on yeah. Tuesday, a mm-hmm. mesothelioma cancer surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, and he went into that surgery. The doctor said there's a good chance we're going to have to take out your spleen and your gallbladder. Yeah. Praise God they didn't have to do that. Praise God. Huge you know? praise. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, he came through and yeah. it was a successful surgery. But, you know, post-op, you're going to have, you know, yeah, a lot got of pain. recovery and pain. Sick and There's some nausea. So mm-hmm. we're praying for Brother Alex out there. Lord Jesus, touch Alex and bring healing to him. Mm-hmm. So maybe That's you right. have a loved one mm-hmm. like that yeah. who's coming through something. Or maybe you need, you're coming through something and you need prayer. Call us right now. We have some dear... Women of God, here tonight to pray with you at 929-333-3739. So, God's abundance. So, Adam is placed, and Eve's not made yet, right? Right. (laughs) She's later. (laughs) So, God creates Adam first. And the world that God puts Adam in and Eve later is is in every way perfect. They were given dominion. There was no, they had no physical need. Everything they needed for their needs was there, emotionally, spiritually. God walked with them, right? That mm-hmm. must have been amazing mm. to walk with God. Mm-hmm. And so 
There they were experiencing his abundant provision. So let's look at this abundant provision, and we're going to look first at the trees, uh, Micah. So mm-hmm. God's abundance of trees, there's three kinds of, in a sense, three divisions of this abundance. So first, let's talk about these trees that, that are described as pleasant to the sight, good for food, in verse 8. So what does this tell us about the Garden of Eden and God as well? Yeah, well, there are two main reasons given in these verses for the purpose of the trees, Pastor, and you just mentioned them. Number one, they were beautiful, and number two, they were functional. So first, the verse says that the trees were pleasant to the sight or desirable to look at. So God planted a garden that was glorious beyond compare. And Pastor, you you mentioned earlier that the, the name of Eden, the garden, it evokes beauty and delight, and Eden was filled with all kinds of trees. In fact, they were the most majestic of the elements within the garden. So the second reason for the mm. trees is that they were good for food. And as we have mentioned, before the flood, man and animals were vegetarian. So the fruit on the trees made up the majority of what Adam and Eve ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I don't think Adam and Eve ever got bored with the options. I have heard it said that hidden in this chapter, there are the names of 25 different kinds of trees encoded in the Hebrew letters at equidistant intervals. Trees like the pomegranate tree, the almond tree, the citron tree, and the olive tree. And I couldn't verify that myself since I Where'd can't... Where'd you get that one from? <laughs> <laughs> I listen to a lot of stuff, uh, yeah. as there are a lot of people who, spe- who actually read in the Hebrew. You know, I can't yeah. read Hebrew, but I wouldn't be surprised if God did insert a hidden list of the wonderful variety of trees within his word. But either way, we can only imagine the appealing color and the delicious flavors of these very first fruits on the trees. And these trees provided perfect nourishment for Earth's original inhabitants. They sure do. And whereas we breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide, trees breathe in carbon dioxide and give off oxygen. So isn't that amazing, you know? And and you know what I noticed as I woke up today on this beautiful March morning, you could smell... Spring is like, you could smell it in the air. Mm. And I looked at the trees. They're starting, the buds are starting mm. to form. And they are beautiful to look at. Mm. As it says here, they're pleasant yeah. to the sight. And, and of course, much food grows from, from the trees and the plants of the earth that God has given to us. But you know what that word pleasant, when I looked up that word, you yeah. know what it's translated in the Bible? Delight. Oh. Covet. Covet. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So... They had a lot of trees to covet. Yeah. They could desire. They, they had many, many different trees, if you will, to desire. Mm. So this word, desired, it says, are pleasant to the sight. And it's also used to describe the tree of knowledge of good and evil in chapter 3. That was, that was um, let's see, in 3 verse 6, it says it was, Desired. It was a tree to be desired. Mm-hmm. That's actually the same word of pleasant. So in other words, there were many trees that were pleasant. Yeah. There were many trees that were desirable. They didn't have to just... There wasn't just one tree in the garden that was desirable and pleasant. Mm-hmm. And they could, they could covet all yeah. those other trees. You know, there's actually nothing wrong to covet mm-hmm. if you're desiring what God says you can have. Mm-hmm. You know, because the Bible says... We should follow the Lord. It, that's actually, there's a word for us seeking God, that it's actually the word for covet. Mm. In other words, we shouldn't be coveting the things of this world right. that don't satisfy. Yeah. We should be seeking God and desiring God, if you will, coveting God mm. who does satisfy. You yeah. know? So 
the interesting thing is, and this word is is used here, this word pleasant, it's used here, and then it's used for the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then it's used in the great commandment, thou shalt not covet. Mm. <laughs> I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And so, and God tells us we can desire his word, which is more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. So I thought that was great. Let me ask you a quick question. So yeah. I've heard people ask, or say this, they say, they covet your prayers. Yeah. How do you feel about that phrase? I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. the thing of God that you're coveting, that you're desiring. You know, there's certain words that have such a negative connotation right. mm-hmm. in our mind. Yeah. But the word covet is not always used in a, in negative. a negative sense, even in the New Testament. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, God says we shouldn't covet certain things. Mm. You know, don't covet your neighbor's wife and, and his ox and things like that. Don't mm-hmm. covet what isn't yours because then you're, you'll be bound to steal it. Mm-hmm. Or take, take what's not yours. Mm. But we can desire, and, and actually desires are a part of our life. Yep. You know? That's true. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So let's get the ladies in, into the conversation here. Ladies, yes. how you doing? Okay, <laughs> so Sister Lentia, yes, Pastor. These trees are so important in our lives, aren't they? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. Yes. So, what is this tree of life? And let's talk a little bit on how this tree is referenced in the Bible as well. Yes. So you mentioned that um, trees. And, and humans have an interdependent relationship, mm-hmm. and that is absolutely true. I mean, the role that trees play in the ecosystem is extremely vital for human life on Earth. Yeah. Um, so the, the tree of life, Pastor, was a, a literal tree created by God for the physical and spiritual sustenance of humans. Mm. Um, the tree of life can be compared to, to Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 6, where it says... I am the vine, and ye are the branches. And I like to think of Psalms 23, where it says, "The Lord is my shepherd." Naturally, the sheep provide the shepherd provided everything for the sheep: mm-hmm. uh, safety, provision, wellness. Spiritually, our tree of life is Jesus, our Savior, our Deliverer, our Healer, our Provider. Pastor, when we were displaced by Hurricane Sandy for 36 months. Everything we needed was provided for. There wasn't one Amen. day that we didn't have anything we needed. So God has definitely proven to be our tree of life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, in the book of Proverbs, there's, there's the tree of life. And I'm reminded, Tulantio, you said 36 months. Yes. You had patience. <laughs> and, and it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, that... Um, that when desire cometh, it's a tree of life. So when you got your house, your house is in a way a tree of life. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's truly amazing. You know, I when we were in the book of Revelations, I just loved how the tree of life, it appears for, within these first words of the Bible in the middle of Scripture with the Proverbs that you just referenced, Pastor, and then in the book's final words. So one of my favorite references comes in Revelation chapter 2, where Jesus Christ is speaking through the Apostle John to the first century church of Ephesus. And he is chastising them because they have gotten so busy performing their Christian duties that they have forgotten the most important thing. They have neglected to cultivate their relationship with him. Jesus says they have left their first love. And Jesus even uses Genesis language there when he says he walks in the midst of the churches. And in Revelation 2 verse 5, he says, Remember, therefore, 
from whence thou art fallen and repent. And it reminds us of the fall of Adam and Eve. But then Jesus encourages them with these words. He says, To him that overcometh, I will give to eat the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And we too can claim this promise as our own. As we overcome, as we maintain our love for Christ, we will one day experience that opportunity, which Adam and Eve lost, which is eating from the tree of life and living for eternity. Yeah. Amen. That's right. That's the tree of life represents eternal life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lentia? Yes. I just had a curious question. I know that in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, that the tree was literal. Mm-hmm. Um, the reference in Revelations chapter 22, I wanted you to elaborate on that, if it's um, literal or figurative, because it mentions the rivers, the 12 different fruits every month. Um, and how does that relate to Psalms chapter 1, verse where it says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters um, that bringeth forth fruit in its own seasons. His leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Yeah, and that tree in heaven bringing forth the twelve manner of fruit also has leaves that were for the healing of the nations. And people even kind of abuse the scripture on that one, Mm. thinking that they could smoke marijuana <laughs> because the the leaves are for healing and so could, we could uh smoke the herbs you know and 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 get high and uh there's there's a lot of rastafarians kind of who who take hold of that right lintia yes yes yeah so that that's interesting so micah in heaven yeah is the tree of life a literal tree could it be possible that a tree one tree uh-huh. brings forth 12 different kinds of fruit. Uh, I don't know what you're going to say, Pastor. We didn't consult ahead of no, time, but I believe it is literal. Yeah. I do believe that heaven, all the things in heaven that are described in Revelation are literal, but that doesn't mean that we can understand them from an earthly perspective. I think once we get to right. heaven and we have that heavenly perspective, we'll understand it. But I do think God what means what he says when he describes heaven as having a literal tree of life, which gives fruit for the healing of the nations over a 12-month mm-hmm. period. Yeah, and I believe that there will be a tree that can bring forth 12 manner, different kinds of fruit. Just because there's no tree that can do that now, I mean, an orange tree can only bring forth oranges. But God's going to destroy this whole system of mm. things as we know it. Yeah. And he's going to make a brand new heaven and earth. Mm. And then he yeah. says, I make all things new. So the laws that we're living under now will not be the same laws that we're going to live under in eternity. And so he can make a tree. Mm -hmm. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. That's true. God is awesome. The God who who can make a pancreas can make a tree (laughs) that brings forth 12 (laughs) manner of fruit. Okay. In other words, you know, there's a lot of, like we have our Dr. Han, our eye doctor, a, a God who can make an eye can do amazing things beyond our ability to comprehend. So, the tree of life. Can I just say something else about these, this tree of life? Because mm-hmm. we've been studying Proverbs, and and I like in Proverbs chapter 3, is the first reference in Proverbs to the tree of life. And he's talking about wisdom. And he says in Proverbs 3, in verse 13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. And then down in verse 18 it says she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her happy is everyone that retaineth her so what's really cool to me is that 
the tree of life was put off limits to man, right? Mm. And there was flaming cherubims around the tree of life. Stay away. You're not going to eat from this tree. But now in the book of Proverbs, it's almost like God is inviting us to eat of this tree of life, mm-hmm. which is wisdom. Yeah. And as Lentia, what you said earlier, was, was, was spot on, that Jesus Christ is our tree of life. And his cross is a tree that brings us life yeah. as well. You know, and so in a way, for us today, in a spiritual sense, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a literal tree of life, right. but there is a spiritual tree of life. Mm-hmm. You know, you asked, is the tree of life literal yeah. or spiritual? Yes, it is literal. But in a way for us today, it's spiritual. And the, the, the cherubims are gone, and God says, come and eat of this tree. Mm. And then you could be like that tree planted by the rivers of water and bring forth 12 manner of fruit in his season. Yeah, and Pastor, I I love the passage in Exodus 15 that talks about the bitter rivers of Mara, okay. the bitter waters of Mara, where Moses actually throws a tree into the waters, and it, the waters go from bitter which were giving of death. You know, if you drank that water, you would die. And he throws the tree in, and it uses that word tree, and the, the waters become sweet, and they have water to drink. So this is kind of a theme and a pattern throughout the entirety of Scripture, that there's a s- salvation. Y- God uses a tree for the salvation right. of the people. Yeah, yeah, amen. Did you want to go to a yeah, call here? Yeah, let's go to uh, one of our callers. Uh, Carol is on the line with us, and Carol has a question for us, Pastor, based on um, what we had said earlier. Carol, are you there? Carol, are you there? I do not hear Carol. Carol, are you there? Okay. I do not hear oh, Carol. Wait, 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 no, I'm sorry. No, go. go oh, go. okay. Sorry. Uh, let's try again here. Carol is online one. Carol, are you there? You know what? I don't hear Carol, but I have her question written here. So maybe what I'll do is I'll just read her question, Pastor, and then um, you can tell us what you think. So she wants to know where we got the idea that Adam and Eve were vegetarians. Yeah, that, that's a great question, Carol, and I'm sorry we couldn't get your voice on with us here tonight. But it says in Genesis chapter 1, when God created male and female, it says in verse number 29, God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a of a tree yielding seed and to you it shall be for meat mm. mm-hmm. and to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so so God clearly says that he's given man the plants to eat, and he's given the plants to also the the, the earthly the an, yeah, animals, the animals to eat. As well. mm-hmm. And so before sin, there was no death. Yeah. And that death was of living things, which would include animals. Right. And then it wasn't until when uh, in Genesis chapter 9, 9, verse 3. In verse 3, why don't you read that? Yeah, me? and I'll read that. So Genesis 9, verse 3, after the flood, when Noah and the animals get off the ark, God says, every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things. So at that point, God ordained that animals could be eaten for meat. But prior to the flood and prior to Genesis 9, we believe that um, Scripture teaches that Adam and Eve were vegetarian and all people. Yep. Vegetarian. It seemed to work out pretty well. He lived like 900 years. <laughs> Probably could live longer eating that way than eating um, McDonald's dry morsels. Yeah. <laughs> the chicken McNugget. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, do you want to continue on? 
hear that? Yeah. And okay, let's let's, let's keep going. Um, Lintia, did you have any other comments about the Tree of Life? Did we did we get to your point and your questions? No, this is great. Yeah, great. yeah, good. Awesome. Thank you, thank you for asking about that. Yes. And I want to encourage our listeners to open up Blue Letter Bible on your smartphone. Go online to the website Blue Letter Bible. That is a great and free Bible helps, and you could do great searches. For example, if you just put in the subject line of Blue Letter Bible, Tree of Life, every time the that phrase appears in the Bible will come up, boom, like in half a second flat. And you could do great word studies throughout the Bible. And I would encourage our listeners to look up that whole phrase, Tree of Life, and study those Proverbs verses. So here's a theme that starts in Genesis and completes in the book of Revelation. So, Jeannie, <laughs> the third tree is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But at this point, we don't know that this is the tree that would be put off limits to man. We just have it stated in Genesis chapter 2 that there were many trees pleasant to, to the sight, good for food. There was a tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what does the tree of knowledge of good and evil speak of? So at this point, I see that Adam was not aware of evil mm-hmm. and... And maybe not even aware of good. He mm. was just in paradise. He just was. And uh, so he was innocent, like a child. Yeah. And when I think of, uh, you know, like as a mother, mm-hmm. when my daughter was young, and maybe there'd be violent news or something, accident or whatever, you know, the world is full of evil, I would try to protect her from that and the knowledge of that so she because her mind couldn't handle it at that point Mm -hmm. so i see that um i mean we're going to find out that this tree is forbidden yeah because god wanted to protect as a father he Mm -hmm. wanted to protect his child adam from from something he couldn't handle right yeah, and that reminds me of um, in the book The Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boom. Mm-hmm. She tells a story of she was a little girl on a train with her father, and she heard the word sexism. So she turned to her dad. She said, Dad, what is sexism? And he thought about it for a minute, and he stood up, and he got his real big heavy suitcase down, and he said, Corey, can you take my suitcase off the train? And she pushed it a little bit, but she couldn't She couldn't push it because it was too heavy for her. And he, he said that it would be pretty bad, he'd be a pretty poor father, if he would ask his little girl to carry such a load. And he said, in the same way, Corey, with knowledge, some knowledge is too heavy for children. When you get older and stronger, you can bear it. But for now, you must trust me to carry it for you. And I thought that was such a beautiful like picture of the father mm-hmm. who was trying to protect Adam and Eve. He, he was sheltering them and he was trying to prevent them from the tra- tragic loss of their innocence. And, you know, while at the same time, they had free will. So later in Genesis 3, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is described as good for food and pleasant to the eyes. That's what Eve saw, and it was desired to make one wise. So we know that it was very desirable, and all Eve needed was a little nudge from the serpent. Yeah, and when I when I see that phrase, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I believe he's really talking about an intimate, experiential knowledge. Mm. In other words... When God and, and at this point, when Adam gets up from the dust, I mean, at that point, like, what does Adam know? He he was made with yeah. age, he, yeah. but he must he must have ability to speak a language because God communicates to him, and he God tells him we'll see in in, yeah. in a few minutes. But 
in a way he doesn't experientially know at that second right. good because he yeah. hasn't done anything good. Mm-hmm. But God's going to command him. And when he obeys God, when he starts naming the animals, he knows good mm. experientially. Mm. But he doesn't know evil. So, But this is the tree, not just the knowledge of good, but the knowledge of experiencing evil. Mm. So in, even though we don't know at this moment the tree's going to be put off limits, we'll, we'll know in a few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but So we see, though, that there's something, there is evil associated with this tree. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll just leave that hanging there. And the number is 929-333-3739. Jeannie, did you have another comment? Yes. I, well, I had a question. Were the two trees side by side? So the tree of life was in the center of the garden. That's a good question. So, I mean, you know... You, you picture them side by side. You, in yeah, your mind, you picture them side I by do. side. But were they? And is the Bible? Does the Bible tell us? So th- yeah, I mean, um, I'm just looking in chapter three where the lo- if the location is given. I don't, I don't believe that it tells us where the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting when the serpent comes along. Eve seems to be like close to this yeah. one tree she wasn't supposed to eat from, you know. And Adam's just hanging out, very passive, you know. But that's for another another program. But it doesn't say. But it does seem that this tree of life which is a tree they could freely eat from, was centrally located so they could access it. And then there were so many other trees. Man, it's like they just forget that one tree. Yeah. You know, they had all these other good trees, you know. Anyway, we are what we are. We're very curious. So let's try to move on here. And, Micah, let's just talk for a few minutes about the water. Sure. There's four different rivers, an abundance of water in the Garden of Eden. And it's kind of interesting that there's these four rivers come out of the Garden of mm-hmm. Eden, and mm-hmm. there's only a mist that, that waters the ground. So how does a mist supply the water? Maybe I'm asking you too much here. But how does the mist supply the water for four major rivers? But tell us what impresses you about the abundance of water. Yeah, I think uh, the description of the four rivers flowing out of Eden does a couple of important things. First, it emphasizes that this garden, which was planted by God, was the source of all life. So this is where God put the very first man and woman, and the family tree of human life would expand and go out from here. And the rivers, too, flow out from this center point in all directions. The second thing this description of rivers does is it tells us that Eden was probably located at some high point on the earth. So scientifically, we know that rivers flow from high elevation down to a low elevation and eventually empty out into the sea. So these headwaters must have started at a higher elevation. Now, one major source of rivers today is melting snow or glaciers, but I don't think that was the source of these waters here in Genesis 2 because I believe the climate was perpetually warm in Eden, which gets back to the idea of the mist that we were talking about. And another source of rivers in general can be a big lake, but the Bible doesn't mention one, so let's go ahead and rule that out. So this leaves us with the option of a major underground spring or fountain as the source for the rivers, and perhaps this is indicated in the flood account when the, quote, fountains of the deep come up out of the ground in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. And one evidence that corroborates underground springs as the source of the rivers is that when Scripture says in Genesis 2, verse 10, that a river went out of Eden, another translation of the Hebrew is that it came up out of Eden. So I tend to believe that underground springs make the most sense as the source of the rivers. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And Dr. Henry Morris in his great commentary on Genesis, and he was a doctor in hydrology. Oh, he the was? doctor of the movements of water and oh, things. Wow. And he talked about how there could have been great pressurized underground fountains that 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 caused a subterranean reservoir that existed before the flood. And like you said in Genesis 7:11, it was those fountains of the great deep that were opened up and then hmm. then put upon the earth to cover the earth um, um, with water. But what this reminds me of as well, and, and that there were these four great rivers, one of them is called the Tigris, the Hidekel is, there are ancient Assyrian monuments that call the Hidekel mm. the, the, the Tigris, the Tigris yeah. River, mm-hmm. there's the Euphrates River, and but in heaven, there's the throne of God. And it says, proceeding out of the throne of God was a pure river of the water of life. Mm, mm-hmm. So there's going to be water coming out of the throne of God. Where's it coming from? From the from God, mm, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, but but here he's not creating the, the water that was there was had been created. So right. he's not creating new water. Mm-hmm. But still, it's 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 like a heavenly picture. Yeah. That. Eden is almost like God's throne yeah. area, and the water's coming out of Eden with the tree of life there, like it will be in heaven. Yeah. But I, what's also interesting here, Micah, and um, is that, like we said, there's the river, uh, the, the Euphrates River is clearly mentioned in the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. and then there's other things that are mentioned, like it encompasses the whole land of Ethiopia, mm-hmm. is mentioned in Ethiopia is familiar to us. So, do you think the mention of the Euphrates, the mention of Ethiopia, and also it says the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. Mm -hmm. So, does that give us any indication of where the Garden of Eden was? Yeah. Where the Tigris River is now? Yeah. Or the Euphrates River now? Is that the same location as it was in the Garden of Eden? Yeah. Well, I think the short answer pastor is that it's impossible to pinpoint where where these exact rivers and places were but it's fun to speculate so many believe that eden was in the fertile crescent somewhere perhaps iran turkey or israel there's an ancient chinese belief that it was in the north pole and mormons erroneously believe that eden was in kansas city missouri so i've done a little bit of research into the location of eden and the most convincing evidence that i have seen came from a biblical scholar and author. His name is Stan Deo, and he says the Garden of Eden was in the African country of Tanzania at the Ngaro-Ngaro Crater, which is the largest intact dormant volcanic crater in the world. Mm-hmm. So he's been studying the Garden of Eden since the 1980s, and in recent years he used Google Earth to map out the ancient riverbeds and the ancient springs, which supposedly existed before the continents broke up. So it gets back to the idea of Pangaea. And it's interesting that Ngaro Ngaro, even to this day, is called the African Garden of Eden because the area is so lush. It's surrounded by over 20 volcanoes and has some of the richest dirt in the world. So oddly enough, scientists have traced what they call mitochondrian Eve to Tanzania, Africa as well, purporting that all human life started in this area of, of the world. I'll give, just give you one more thing about it. Half a million tourists go to this spot in Africa every year because 25,000 land animals, they congregate in this one place, including elephants, giraffes, zebras, lions, and the black rhino. And there are 500 species of birds which migrate there, including the pink flamingo. So if you have a computer, look up images of Ungaro Ungaro Crater. It truly looks yeah. like the Garden yeah, of Eden. I have one question. Yeah. 
how can I bring that dirt to my front yard? Because I, 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 my grass vo- never grows, man. It always dies in the middle of the you summer. Need volcanic I need dirt. some of that dirt in you my do. front yard. And a pink flamingo. Yeah, well, I've got squirrels, that's for sure, that make holes in my yard. But uh, that's, that's amazing. I, I would just say that because the flood completely rearranged the earth, yeah. it is, like you said, it's it's fun to speculate, but it would be impossible to be definite yeah. that even the, the where it says the Euphrates River was in the Garden of Eden is the same location of where the Euphrates is, River is now. Yeah. Maybe the Euphrates River, after the flood, was named as a memorial yeah. name, kind of like we have Babylon, Long Island. But yeah. That's not where Saddam. That's not where Nebuchadnezzar. That's not where Nebuchadnezzar yeah. built Babylon, right? Yeah. It's just named Babylon. So it could be like that post flood. Okay, let's um, talk for a minute, Linty, about the precious metals. Wow, we are flying along tonight, man. I, well, we gonna. I might not finish, but let's <laughs> let's try to move on, Linty. In the Garden of Eden, there's all these beautiful minerals of onyx and gold. And, and how does this remind us of the eternal city of God? Yes. Uh, um, so, Pastor, actually, my, my cat, her name is Onyx. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like we are God's precious jewels. And yeah. ha- having read this created excitement and curiosity in my imagination. Mm. I see that God is fascinated about jewels. Mm. And was a jeweler before he created the earth. Um, gold, onyx, bedellum was first mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, then seven times in Exodus. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, the writer says, Heaven will be full of precious stones, gold, diamond. The streets and the foundations will be adorned with valuable minerals. Uh, the writer paints a, a visually descriptive imagery there. Mm-hmm. Um, our finite minds cannot fathom how beautiful heaven would be, mm-hmm. except God opens up our mind, gives us a revelation knowledge to to understand the, the picturesque gems in heaven. Um, the Bible talks about gold, diamond, onyx, jasper, beryl stone, brass, iron, emerald, Sapphire, topaz, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing, you know. And so, again, Eden is like a taste of heaven, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Micah? Yeah, I think since we have precious minerals and gemstones today on the earth, it makes sense that there was an abundance, Pastor, to use your word, there was an abundance of them in in the perfect garden of God. So one interesting aspect of that Ezekiel 28.13 verse that Lintia mentions is that it lists 10 precious stones and it's as if and they come in every color of the rainbow. So I'm going to read that verse, Ezekiel 28:13. Thou yeah. hast been in the Eden of the Garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering: the sardis, the topaz, the, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold. So topaz is yellow, for instance. The emerald is green. The sapphire is blue. And the full list of stones represents the entire color spectrum spectrum of the light. So this is one more detail which reveals to us the amazing artistry of our creator. So between the tree of life, the glistening rivers, the gold, and the sparkling stones, Eden is almost, as you said, Pastor, a mirror image of heaven described in the book of Revelation. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome, Micah. And these stones that were in Eden, I went to the book of Revelation, and the foundation stones Mm -hmm. of heaven, 
and it's and it's similar. It's almost like the same types of stones. And then I went to Exodus when the high priest had the breastplate yeah. of the twelve stones representing the twelve tribes. Mm. It was the same similar, not not exact, but the same similar type stones. And and then in heaven we know that the structure is going to the streets are going to be of of gold, and the foundation is going to be all these amazing stones. Now, look at our streets today. What kind of material? <laughs> That's like rough material, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the foundation of a building. You know, what kind of material? Just like concrete, concrete yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So that the fa- that the streets and the foundations are going to be mm. adorned with the most incredibly beautiful, colorful, valuable stones. Can you imagine what the finish work is wow. going to look like? That's amazing. Because the streets is not the finishing work. That's the, usually the rough. You yeah. know? Yeah. So the finishing work of heaven, hallelujah. Amen. I think Jeannie's about to cry. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> well, as an artist, right? Yeah. I'm picturing this. And I'm wondering if artists are going to appreciate it a little more. Mm, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Well, yeah, draw. Give us, give, give us a beautiful drawing yeah, of it. it and is. dear friends, you don't want to miss heaven. We've missed the Garden of Eden because of sin. Man was thrust out of the Garden of Eden, but we are invited to come to Jesus Christ, the tree of life, and and enter heaven's gates by faith through him. Amen. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Christ Jesus, who died on the cross, who shed his blood, who bodily rose again and lives today. In order to get to heaven... We must become good in God's sight. And none of us are good, for all have sinned. Only Jesus is good. And we can get to heaven through His goodness. He forgives us of our sins. He gives us His righteousness. We can enter heaven. We can enjoy all the glory of God for all eternity. But you must repent and believe in Christ. All right. Let's look at the Great Commission that God gives to man. There's three incredible words, and I looked these words up, and each of these three words, and the words are to dress, to keep, and God commanded. And these verse, these words are in verse 15 of Genesis 2, and then verse 16, God commanded. So God commands man to dress the garden, keep the garden, and then God commanded the man not to eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Let's look at these three words and see the great commission God gives to Adam. It's somewhat similar to our great commission. So, Jeannie, this first word is to dress. This word really talks about serving, and that's what the word means. So, what does this word mean to you, and how does it relate to Adam and to even all of us today? Well, as you said, God has given uh, man the opportunity to serve his creation. Mm -hmm. So for Adam, it was to take care of uh, his garden, his beautiful garden. And um, for us, uh, it would be to preach the gospel, to minister to mankind. We are Mm -hmm. his... um, You know, that's um, the job he's given us. Mm -hmm. And... um, yeah, I'm just I'm always amazed that God includes us this way that we are his instrument and um you know, I see that he just wants a relationship with us. He mm-hmm. just didn't put Adam in there and then have yeah. the he could have had the garden just take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he wanted to, you know, comp- work is not yeah. a part of the curse, right? 
Mm-hmm. He had a job to do before there was yeah. sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when God created Adam, he immediately gave him that job. It's a purpose in life for Adam. So Adam's work was to dress and to keep the Garden of Eden. And just like Adam, it's important for each of us, as Jeannie said, to have a purpose in life. And oftentimes our purpose too closely is tied to our work. And it's part of the way that, but, you know, it is part of the way that we serve the Lord. So if, if our purpose is our work, you know, if we're serving the Lord through our work, then that's that's how God wants it. And it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye de- do, do all to the glory of God. So Adam dressed the garden, and he was glorifying God in that way. Yeah, I guess when I started studying this, when I saw the word dress, and then I, I looked up all the cross-referencings, it's the word serve. Mm-hmm, serve. It's the word that's used literally hundreds of times of, Moses saying, we're going to serve God, the Levitical service in the tabernacle, the nation's responsibility to serve God. And how does this relate to you, Jeannie, and to your family of keeping, dressing a garden? Yeah, so as I was um, going over these verses, it reminded me of one of my favorite memories. Um, So I lived in the city in, in San Francisco area, and I would go to my grandparents' farm in eastern Washington, and it was very isolated. They were basically the only family uh, in the area. So, and uh, he had, my grandfather farmed, uh, he had orchards. Yeah. And there were fruit trees. And um, so me and my cousins would, um, we thought we were in paradise, you know, mm. coming from the city. And it's we like would run Eden, around. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we the, the way, the fragrance of the fruit, mm. I, I remember. And, um so my grandfather was uh, kind of known for his the way he kept the orchard and he actually would um get an award for the best Washington delicious wow. apple oh wow every year that's and amazing so you know it was just it was kind of it was a wonderful time and i can relate to the garden being so pleasant in paradise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, when I got a little older, I learned that it was not my grandfather's land. He did not own it. Mm-hmm. And there was a man there, uh, Joe Christie, and it was like his. And I told my mom, I said, well, I said, Grandpa takes care of it, and it, he loves that farm, and it's like his it's own. Like his own. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was the good steward. Kind of just like Adam. It was God's, yeah. but Adam got to live there. Yep. Did you okay. say his name was Joe Christie? Yes. Yeah. Do you know Joe Christie? No, but that almost sounds like J. Christ. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) It's a perfect (laughs) correlation there. The second thing that Adam was responsible to do was to keep the garden. So how does what does this word mean and how does this apply to us? Yeah, so when Adam was commanded to keep the garden, God was directing him to protect it, to keep watch over it, to guard it. And this wasn't a passive action. In fact, the next time this word keep is used, it's in Genesis 3.24, where scripture speaks of the cherubim keeping or guarding Eden after Adam and Eve were expelled. So I tend to think that God was implying that Adam should be watching out for an enemy who would try to sneak into the garden. And just a few verses later, of course, the enemy does come in and deceives Adam's wife. So as far as how we would keep this uh, and it would apply to us, I look at the Psalms and um, I saw that the same word, the same Hebrew word is used over 65 times in the Psalms and 21 times in chapter 119 alone. So in some verses, the psalmist is promising to keep the commands of God. Um, in other verses, the psalmist is asking God to protect or keep him. And the command to keep and guard appears throughout the scriptures. And we can apply this 
um, command for us. So listen to these instructions from Joshua's final sermon. Uh, I'm going to read Joshua 22, verse 5. It says, But take diligent heed to do the commandments and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and keep his commands, his commandments, and cleave unto him, and serve him with all your heart mm-hmm. and with all your soul. Yeah. This re- and to me, this command for him to keep reminds us of our responsibility to keep God's word. Yeah. Like it says in Proverbs, to keep God's word in the midst of our heart. But I love the Church of Philadelphia of which God said, Thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word. And that's the same word, idea of, of keeping, keeping, guarding. Of, guarding. And this word is a great commission word. Mm-hmm. So really, God's giving to Adam a great commission to serve and to keep and that's our commission. Mm. Our great commission is to serve God and to keep his word and to observe. And that's the word in the great commission, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. That word observe literally is to guard or to keep. Mm. So the third great word in Adam's great commission, Lintia, is this word command. That's a big word in the Bible. Yes. By the way, the phone number is... Nine two nine three 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 seven three nine. We have only a few moments left in the program, but every minute counts. So give us a call right now at nine two nine three 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 seven three nine. So Lintia, this yeah. third word, what does God command Adam, and why did God command man this in the perfect environment of the Garden of Eden? Yes. So Pastor, first He commanded them to eat freely, and then in verse seventeen He says. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So actually, that was God's first negative command. And the purpose was testing and training. I I guess the question is why? And it can be summarized, love and obedience. God had to give freedom of choice with the option to love him. Mm or not love him. Mm-hmm. They had the opportunity to trust and obey God or doubt and disobey God's warning. Mm-hmm. Um, his instructions was very thorough. Scripture teaches us that after they ate, they did not cease to exist or die physically, but that they were separated from God by their disobedience. The word command reminds me of our responsibility. First, to mm-hmm. follow Christ. Yeah. Second, to get baptized. And third, yes. to preach the gospel until he comes again. Amen. Amen. I just think that um, every time we think of the commandments of God, they're for our good. All these commands that God gave us are for us to flourish Amen. and have an amazing life. You know, God's commandments are never grievous. Mm. They're always for our good because he is good. And I was looking up this idea of God commanding. We often think... God's commanding us, is there something more for us to do? But you know what? God's commandments are what He does for us as well. Psalm 42 verse 8 says He commands His loving kindness. So ask God to command His loving kindness into your life. God can command deliverance. Do you need deliverance? Say, God, command your deliverance for your glory and my good. God commands a strength. So the God who commands the morning sun to rise... He commands the clouds. Jesus commanded the raging seas to peace be still. He commands his strength to come into our lives through Jesus Christ. Good night. Thanks a lot.
Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.